We want to say good morning, and it's such a privilege for us to be with you. This is your teaching team, including Tom Goodlett. Tom could not be here today. He was out of town. We're going to show a clip from one of Tom's sermons next Sunday. But we began a series called Unlocked several months ago, and we're going to share a principle. Why don't you share a principle first, and then we're going to go through and talk about some different pieces in this series and kind of recap it, and I'll introduce everybody here in just a minute. But Danita, uh, I'm going I'm to teach on this principle next week. Why don't you introduce it today? Okay, it doesn't matter if you're nine years old or you're 99 years old. The Bible lays out this irrevocable law that, that we, we can't ignore. And so we understand that it cannot be um, outsmarted. It can't be overruled. And so therefore, we need to figure out how we're going to live our lives so that it, it'll be to our advantage. And so let's take a look at this law. It's in Galatians 6, 7. It says, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And another translation says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What you sow, you're going to reap. And so when we, we think about that, there are several um, lessons that we can learn. We're going to reap what we sow. Let's take a look at that on the screen. And um, we're going to reap where we sow. And we're going to reap more than we sow. And we reap in a different season. And I think we need to let that sink in. So let's, let's read that one more time. We reap what we sow. We reap where we sow. We reap more than we sow. And we reap in a different season. And so when we apply this law in a positive way to our lives, and we sow seeds that are good into our relationships, our friendships, our marriage, our parenting, our finances, business, and giving, um, even in fitness and health, it's going to be very beneficial. But conversely, when we sow seeds that are not very positive, and we sow them into our relationships, our friendships, marriages, parenting, um, your business, your finances, your giving, um, fitness and health, when we sow them like that, it's going to be very detrimental. So the question for us is, what kind of harvest do you want and what kind of harvest do I want? And that's the question for all of us this morning. What kind of harvest do you want? What kind of seeds do you need to be planting? Um, I, I know that you can't plant a crab apple tree and expect to get sweet peaches, right? You can't plant turnips and think you're going to get blueberries. So that's the question for us. What kind of seeds we want to plant? And I know, Kurt, you mentioned that you're going to have some application for this next Sunday. A little side note, a mentor that I have had for years, she mentioned to me, you know, Denise, if there are seeds that you're, you're not so happy that you planted, you pray to God for a crop failure. And so maybe some of us this morning need to be plant, uh, praying for that crop failure in our life. You're not talking about next Sunday's sermon, are you? <laughs> no, not that. So we're going to pick, I'm going to pick up on that next Sunday, and we're going to talk about that. This is our teaching team, and Amos and Crystal, Ethan and Paws, Andrew and Kaylin, Tom Goodlett, Danita and myself, and I just, I want to thank you because we're raising up these younger folks behind us to become great pastors and great leaders and great teachers And we just sent Griffin and Heather 
to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, so we just planted a pastor there. I'm not looking to plant anybody else today, but I'm just saying we planted them, and this wouldn't work without you. A lot of churches wouldn't accept this. A lot of churches would be criticizing, would be critical, but you're smart, and you're filled with the Spirit, and you see this is the future. This is what we are supposed to be doing as player coaches is raising up the next crew. And so th- thank you for that. And I'm just excited. We, we went on a retreat back in the spring. We went to someone's home. Someone from Harborside allowed us to come to their home. And we actually kicked them out for three days. It was awesome. We had their whole house for three days. No, they volunteered to go. And so we had to run to their house for three days. And We spent time, and I said to the team here, I'm going to give you the most difficult topic. The most difficult topic in the Bible is the topic of money. In fact, there are more verses on money than there are on heaven and hell combined. There are more verses on money than there are on prayer. There are more verses on money than there are the second coming of Jesus Christ. Why does the Bible talk about money so much? because we're locked up and we need help. And there's so many different areas in our lives where we need a lot of help with this. And so there's over 2,352 verses. So let me just start with a team. Let me start with my favorite daughter-in-law. My only daughter-in-law. But, but even if I had 20, she'd still be my favorite daughter-in-law. Let me start with her. When you found out there were so many verses, how did that impact you? I was shocked (laughs) because I've always seen that there's a theme of money obviously involved because it's a decision, it's a struggle, and it's present, but I wasn't aware that it was the loudest voice of all the things that we were reading in the Word, and it's changed our lives. It's impacted us in a tremendous way. Yeah, how does that impact the two of you? I think it's just this constant warning that God places throughout Scripture's throughout his word, through the timeline. And it's obviously an issue for so many of us. And so God continues to speak. He wants to unlock us. And so he knows that we can get so infatuated with what we have in our hands that we can take our eyes off of him and all the things we possess. That's so good. That's so good. Amos and Crystal, you've been in the ministry for a long time. You've grown up in this. What are the symptoms of someone who's locked up? Yeah, absolutely. I think that word symptoms is right because we understand symptoms, doctors, medical professionals in the room, you understand that symptoms don't really tell you what the disease is. It just tells you, hey, here's something that's wrong on the surface level. Well, in the same way, when it comes to our money, when it comes to money, period, a symptom on whether or not we're locked up or unlocked is we start to experience pain with generosity. Uh, We experience anxiety with generosity, fear with generosity. And the Bible says that we're supposed to be cheerful givers. Actually, a translation says hilarious generosity. But a lot of times, the symptoms that we can experience with generosity, pain, anxiety, and fear, which is why we're locked up. We're not enjoying that, are we? Not not so much, no. Not really. What's the real issue, though, Crystal? Those are the symptoms, but what's really going on in the heart? The real issue is trust. When you come to the Lord, it takes 0.2 seconds to know that God can and he will change your plans, right? And that change of plans can cause some pain. Whereas we have the opportunity 
to look at all of these changes in plans as an opportunity to trust that God is a good God and that his plans for us are good as well. When we choose not to trust that, it locks us up. Mm, that's so good. So Andrew and Kaylin, we want to know about your personal life. You've been married almost three years, and this was a brand new series, a brand new project. You've never spoken on stage before in here, and you've never certainly done this together. But in this process, where did you discover, hey, we're a little bit off course when it comes to money? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's I, I like to pride myself in being a very fiscally responsible person. And so everything's a spreadsheet. All my spreadsheet people wave at me. Everything's in a budget. Everything is in line. That is the truth. <laughs> Every, our whole life is a spreadsheet. <laughs> it's, it is. And so if, if you're like me, we can fall into this category where everything that's budgeted is actually locking us up. It isn't freedom anymore. It's not cheerful giving. It's actually a responsibility that we have to do, and God is leading us into more. There's always more. There's always freedom for his believers. So we're going to go through some of the sermons now that they, they taught and look at some clips through different messages. We're going to start with Amos and Crystal, but, but, but since we, you know, picked on them a little bit, let's dig in. We, you've been married five years, and so most married couples struggle a little bit with money, though we no. never had any of those issues. Never. Never. Um, this is our sermon, so we can lie in front of everybody. So, so when it came to agreement or disagreement, was there mild disagreement? Was there severe disagreement? Was there mostly agreement? What, what would you say with money for the last five years? You know, money is a very important topic. It was really the cause of my third divorce. Um, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come to Marriage Monday. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I told Crystal, if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I would say that, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I would say that, honestly, 95% of our talks and discussions surrounding money have been pretty much on the same page. But there's been 5% severe disagreement, um, very severe disagreement. But 95% of it was probably good. For inquiring minds, it was groceries. When we first got married, my husband was a bachelor, and he was like, if we just eat rice and beans, we can do so many activities, baby. And <laughs> I was completely opposite. I'm like, we need ketchup. We need two ketchups. We need every type of salad dressing. We need all the things. So we've had lots of conversations, aggressive collaboration, and meet in the middle. Are there any marriage counselors in the room? Amos and Crystal are going to need that on the way out um, today. You guys started, though, at the right place with a foundational truth. Why did you start there? And you started with a major verse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back to that retreat, that time that we had together in the spring, uh, all of us, the different couples, we all spread out throughout this property and really spent some time listening, trying to hear from the Lord about what the Lord wanted to speak through us. And Crystal and I, we found Psalm 24, verse 1, and it says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell within it. 
Now, another translation says, very simply, everything and everyone belongs to the Lord. And so starting with that foundational truth in the scriptures, we understood that really our responsibility is not lordship over money, but it really is stewardship over God's resources. Why did you start there? Why, why stewardship? Well, the more we serve the Lord, the more we learn that all of the different elements of our lives are to draw us closer to him. Our passion, our family, groceries, finances, right? Everything is an opportunity to hone in on the basics of serving Christ, trusting him, stewardship. And so if we can learn how to steward even in our finances, we can learn how to be more like Jesus in every other area of life. So we do a lot of weddings at Harborside. Jeff Swanson is over the, the marriage chapel ministry. I think we'll have 185 weddings this year inside our chapel, which is awesome. And we're always shocked by how many couples have not had any financial discussions before they got married. Did you guys, did you guys have those discussions and were you mainly on the same page or were you in different libraries? Yeah, we definitely had those conversations. I think uh, for both of us, we had older couples in front of us that had kind of voiced and put this fear in us that you need to have these conversations about money or else this could happen, you know? And so we started having those conversations early on and, and they were really good, really healthy. But I think what's so cool for us is to look back to over a year ago, those conversations and to see our view on money then and to now to see what God has done with our view on money now. Mm, that's so good. Let's, let's watch their clip. I want you to see the clip. And then there's a clip here about how we changed your prayer. Your prayer changed just a tad. This passage of scripture is saying the same thing. When money is getting your attention, the more you're attentive, the more it can lead to your heart's affection. And eventually that becomes the object of your devotion, meaning that is the thing you turn to to receive life And the invitation uh, that we've been seeing in our hearts and our lives is that we had one question, one prayer in our life that was just a little bit off. Our prayer was, God, help us to use our resources well. And it sounds like a good prayer, but the change through this has been, God, help us to steward your resources well. The difference between these two prayers is the difference between being locked and unlocked. That everything we have, we have become stewards. Everything in our possession, we are now stewarding for the master. And this is the invitation today, is to fix our attention on some things that we're gonna discuss. Your prayer changed. Tell us how your prayer changed. In that revelation, really, you guys started with that, that message of the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I think I had heard that several times in my life, like, you know, God owns it all. But we had this prayer that was, Lord, help us to steward our resources well. So we talked about how should we, how do we want to invest our money? How do we want to save our money? Or how do we want to get the spreadsheet out and budget our money? But in that powerful truth that switches 
is what we talked about, which is this sermon on becoming a part of the family business. And this sermon was the two prodigal sons, how they didn't realize that they were actually in the family business stewarding their father's money. And so it's really an identity piece that God wants to give us, that we are his sons and his daughters, and everything we have is his. And we're on this earth to steward his resources, not to try and plan out our money. How do we want to spend our money? God, now we bring him into everything. Lord, how do you want to spend your money through us? So good. So in just a second, we're going to go back and see a clip from Amos and Crystal that that reiterate about the stewardship. But I want you to tell us, though, the application, and we'll go back to that clip in just a second. So you asked us to do something that really solidifies what they taught us. Yes, so we ended that teaching with a 40-day challenge. Just something that would bring a different environment and a different um, perspective of this. Because just as we were in a journey of re-educating ourselves, yes, this is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. So the first thing you do in the morning is you bow before God and you ask Him, what do you want to do today in my life? What do you want to do with the resources, talents, gifts, job, everything that you've given me? And it's, it's an easy step to do, but it, it's necessary because we're so used to doing things our way and we lean towards that so quickly. So something, an action that will remind everything, your whole being, that everything belongs to the Lord. We do this, we do this every morning. We did it this morning, we did it yesterday morning. I have an 82-year-old mentor in Asheville, and he does this every single day. But here's why. I want you to see the clip now from Amos and Crystal. Here's why you want to start off your day being yielded. Amen. And that obedience to choose faith over fear, it does something very powerful. And we see it throughout all of these passages and from Genesis to Revelation. But our obedience unlocks the fullness of heaven. We've gotten to know you all over the last three years in this Harborside community, and you all are wise. You're knowledgeable. You love your families. You love your children. Imagine if we could take what we have already that God has given us, find out what he wants to do with it, and not only have our wisdom, but the wisdom of heaven. Mm. Not only have our own knowledge, but knowledge from heaven What would our lives look like if we chose to be obedient and allowed God to unlock the fullness of heaven for us and our children and our children's children? That's why we start off every morning yielding our lives to Jesus. Andrew and Kaylin, you guys chose a topic during that retreat that quite frankly, none of us have ever heard, none of us have ever thought about. And it talks about don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when it comes to giving. I didn't even know that was real. I I saw it, but I've never, ever heard a sermon before. Uh, Kaylin, why don't you walk us through this? We got a slide. Walk us through left-hand giving, ambidextrous giving, and right-hand giving. And the goal is you want to get to the right hand. But follow along with Kaylin right now. 
Yeah, so like you said, we were on this retreat and we came across this verse and we started studying through the scriptures and we noticed this theme really in the Bible of we see the left hand in this posture of receiving and over and over again we'd see the right hand in this posture of releasing or giving. And so that was what really led us to this conclusion. And so we lined out left-handed givers. They're selfish with the blessings that God has given them. They fear losing what they've retained and they really, they reserve all that they have. And this probably isn't a lot of us. Um, I'd say probably about 80 to 90% of us land in the ambidextrous lane. It's definitely where we have landed. It was where the Lord was speaking to us. And ambidextrous givers release based on what they have. Um, they fear giving too much of what they've retained. So this is like Andrew's spreadsheets. We don't want to give outside <laughs> of the confines of that budget of this is what I give and they're divided with the blessings, but really where God was leading us to was to be a right-handed giver. Right-handed givers release all that they have. They are full of faith that they have more than enough, and they are surrendered with the blessings that God has given them. And we really learn the posture of a right-handed giver from the Father himself. He displays this. We see Jesus seated at the right hand of God, and that was what God gave to us. That was what he released. He released everything that he had in order that we would be atoned for our sins. And I think that sometimes we can look at being a right-handed giver and think it's so impossible to get to or it's so difficult. But Kurt, you shared with us the parable of, or not, sorry, not the parable, the story of the widow with the two talents. And she gave everything that she had. And so we know that as humans, it's possible to live this right-handed lifestyle. We have the ability to release all that we have to the Lord. So preaching is always truth through personality. You'll never forget that. That's what preaching really is. And so everyone with their own personalities have delivered something of truth to you from the Word of God. But the objective is for there to be transformation. The objective is not just information. Yes, we hope you're smart, but we don't want you just to be a smarter sinner. We want you to be a transformed sinner. I don't know. We just want you to be transformed, right? And so it's not just information. It, it's transformation. So I'm going to ask this question to, the, to my team here and, and to you first. How has this series changed you? Where have you been locked up? And where are you now? You've been released. Or maybe you're still locked up, but you're moving in, in the right direction. You see, the goal of preaching that's truth through personality is not just information, it's to be transformed. So how can you grow and go out of here and go, okay, I now have the peace of Christ. And when it comes to money, there's work. There's honesty. There's attitude. There's integrity. There's saving. There's giving. There's spending. There's investing. I mean, there's a multiplicity, a plethora of issues when it comes to this topic of money. And so how, how we started all this at a retreat, and we've spent months working through some of this. Let me just ask the team, how, how has this changed or transformed you? Has, has this changed you? I'm gonna... Completely, through and through. It has required me to renew my mind. And when we sit in that, that sermon of lordship, we begin to think about he is Lord. It removes yourself from the throne. 
and puts God on it. And actually, that sets you free. When you're Lord, you're stressing over your territory. But when God is Lord, he is in control. And so really, for me, it has freed me. Things come now into my life financially that I am free because I know he's Lord and he's in control. That's good. That's so good. Anybody else? Yeah, Ethan? Yeah, speaking in that vein, I would completely agree. I shared this story. Uh, We shared the story when we spoke that we were in Dallas in the middle of the series at a conference, and we went into a prayer tent, and some woman who was leading this prayer tent uh, came up to us, and she started praying for us. And it was almost in that moment, she just heard a word from God. And she looked right at me, and she said, you have been confusing stewardship with control. And I'll never forget that moment because this like bubble inside of me like welled up as if the Lord just wanted to pop something in me and release this breakthrough. But essentially what was happening in our lives is I was wanting to control our resources. I was trying to be a good steward and all the pressure was on me on what I needed to do to make a good future for our life. And the Lord was wanting to unlock something, saying, you are not Lord over your resources. You are actually a steward of mine. And so really, we were awoken to the, to the, awoken to the fact that godly stewardship isn't managing your money well. Godly stewardship is managing his money well. You said in that, ser- in that sermon that we're in the family business. And you mentioned that just a minute ago. That was a new thought to me. I've never really thought about all of our money, all of our outreach, all of our missions, all of our projects, everything that we're doing, really, we're in the family business. We're in God's family business. And that, that kind of un- unlocked me just a tad. We don't want you to walk out of here and not be transformed. So we're gonna, we're gonna take communion in, in just a minute, but I want you to watch this clip first. And Andrew kind of wraps up that left-handed, ambidextrous, right-handed giving with a great segue into the Lord's Supper. Maybe you call it Mass or the Eucharist, but it's communion. I want us to watch this, and then I'll, I'll apply it, and I'll give you a challenge. Watch this clip, if you would. If we know anything about the heart of God, we know that He doesn't just give us rules or just tell us things but that he first demonstrates them to us. You can read the whole Bible cover to cover. You can Google when you get out of here today, the left hand of God, but you won't find it. Not once mentioned in the scripture will you see the left hand of God. But Andrew, what do we see? In Hebrews 12, verse two, it says this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing you would be his, Jesus endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the, what? Right Right hand. Of the throne of God. Yeah. God reserved nothing. He released everything for you. He held on to nothing. He gave his prized possession completely and totally for you and for me. There was not this methodical or transactional or what's in it for me mindset that we see from God. It was fully surrendered, fully released. 
in the gift of Jesus Christ. Church, you have this gift this morning. Yes. You are loved this morning. And when we know the love that has been released on you, it drives us to walk in the same way. So when we leave here today and Jesus says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We are driven by the fact that Jesus loves us yes. and released everything. Yeah. So when we come to the Lord's Supper today, why don't you grab your elements and let me explain a crucifixion and a resurrection. You know, every time we come to the Lord's Supper, there needs to be a crucifixion. There needs to be something in your life that you are crucifying, you are laying down, you are confessing, you are transforming from. There, there's always a crucifixion. And, and I love how in communion, we, we really focus on what Christ did for us in the crucifixion. But none of it would be any good if there wasn't a resurrection. And the mere fact that there's a resurrection means there's life and there's growth and there's something exciting. And so with the Lord's Supper, every time we gather together, there's something probably you should be crucifying. And let's focus on an area of money. Is it greed? Is it a lousy attitude at work? Are you tempted to steal? Are you tempted to be dishonest? Are you tempted to be slothful? Are you tempting to fill holes in your heart with money? And you know stuff can never make you happy. You just got to have more stuff to try to make you more happy. You're like the dog chasing its tail. You'll never catch it. What, what today needs to be crucified when it comes to money? So you can be unlocked. But that's where we have the resurrection. The power of the resurrected Jesus lives inside of you. It's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what I love is the power of Christ inside of me and the power of Christ inside of you. So, yes, there is a crucifixion, but there was a resurrection filled with power. And that same Jesus lives inside of you. So that means nothing is impossible. You may have had some really bad teaching about money. Someone may have filled your heart full of fear about money. Someone may have given you a whole bunch of wrong beliefs about money. And so all those wrong beliefs, all those fears, all those things that are just, they don't line up with Scripture. The power of the resurrection is, Lord, help me now to see through the lenses of your scriptures. Every money topic, and you're right, it's astounding how many verses there are. Two, did I mention this before? 2,352. I've said that about 25 times during this series on purpose. It's incredible. So right now, let's have a crucifixion. Lord, I'm locked up with money here. But I receive the power of the resurrection. Spend some time right now. Let's crucify it. 
And then let's raise to a new life what's inside of you. Heavenly Father, I love how at communion, remembering Jesus' body and remembering Jesus' blood, it takes away our sins. And we remember the crucifixion. But Lord, we we need a resurrection. We, We need to crucify the wrong beliefs, the fear. We need to crucify the voices that are louder than Scripture. We need to crucify any principles that are outside the margins of Scripture. We need to crucify maybe voices from our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or even Jim Cramer. Maybe we need to crucify some newscasters, voices. But Lord, unlock us. Set us free. I love what you say in John. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So, Lord, we don't want to just be free. We want to be free indeed. Jesus, we honor you. So right now, if you would, online, in the house, out of the country, in the country with us right now, we remember your body and we remember your blood. you to join us. We're going to sing one more song together. The team's going to come out and join us. I'm not going to start this song. Ethan, pause. Somebody that can sing, please start this song. But we're going to sing this together and worship this song as we close. Yeah. Let's join together as a family. And Lord, we sing this song to you now. Let's praise God from whom all bless.
worship you, Father. Thank you for drawing our attention from the things of this world. Thank you, Lord, for redirecting our gaze upon you, upon you, Jesus. You're constantly bringing us life. You're constantly renewing our minds. Lord, you're constantly giving us strength. Lord, you're constantly redirecting us on a path. And so today, God, we give you our attention. We give you our affection. Lord, we leave here as fully equipped, Lord, to walk with you, to enter into your secret place, to continue to hear from you each and every day. Lord, thank you for this family gathering this morning. Thank you for this meeting place where you're wanting to speak and unlock truth in your children. Lord, continue this work this week until we gather. We worship you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.